Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna. It's another edition of the podcast. And today I'm joined by a special guest. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and today I'm joined by a very, very special guest, none other than Mr. Tom Canton from the Guna Talk. Tom, welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna, mate. First of all, how are you? I'm very good, mate. I'm surviving in a very confusing world, how are we? <laughs> yeah, that's a, you put it in a great way there, to be honest. Lots and lots of shit going on, but thankfully we've got some football coming back, which means we can focus on uh, more positive things, we hope anyway, uh, results uh, given, uh, of course. But Tom, you're joining me today because we're going to talk a little bit about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who has essentially called out the Arsenal board today. In an interview, he mentioned that the board know what they have to do uh, to make him sign a new contract. So, we're all desperate, I assume you are as well, for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to stay. What's your take on the situation and the way things have, have unfolded, according to Aubameyang anyway? Well, I mean, the situation's, for me, completely unsurprising. It's extremely Arsenal-like, if you want to call it something. Allowing a player to get this close to the end of his contract, it then put Arsenal on the back foot and the ball is completely in the player's court in terms of negotiations and any possible transfer fee. Uh, when you look at his comments, it's straight. I'd say it's strange because every time I see a player that's currently contracted to a club come out publicly and speak about their contract, it's very strange because, say, if I was coming to sort of the end of my time at a job and I just went and, and started speaking publicly about how I wanted to move on, it's strange because it's not a very normal way of talking about employment, but it happens every single day in football. And what I sort of took from his comments was is that whilst I saw a lot of media turning around saying that this is, this is bad news for Arsenal, it doesn't look good, I actually saw it as Aubameyang looks like he, he would be more than willing to stay at Arsenal. And it's completely down to us whether we offer him what he's wanting for him to stay. And I when you think about it, this is his last big, big contract. He's the wrong side of 30 now. He's, if he moves on now, it'll be for his last sort of big team before he moves into the twilight years of his career. It's and, and a lot of time, I think that Arsenal fans sort of look at players in the wrong way. They look at Arsenal players as like themselves, like they're fans. In reality, they're not. In reality, they are employed to play football for you uh, and to do their best. But they're not, they haven't got the same affinity. And therefore, they're completely within their right to look for the best deal for themselves and their family. So I'm completely fine with the way that it's going at the moment. As you say, I, I pray that he stays because he brings so much to this Arsenal side. But... I, I just think that it's maybe more, there's more to this than meets the eye in, in regards to what Arsenal could be doing to keep the Gabonese forward at the club. Yeah, it sounds about right. Let's have a look at the quotes uh, that have come. It was from a TF1's Telefoot programme, which is a French uh, football show. He said, I have not received a proposal recently, but we have had discussions with the club for quite a few months. The board know very well why nothing has happened so far. They have the key. It's up to them to do their job and we'll see how it goes. It's a turning point in my career. And to be frank with everyone, this will be a very difficult decision to make. But beware, I haven't made my choice yet. It will be perhaps the most important decision of my career. And I take that the way you've taken that, Tom, that 
it seems as though he would be open to staying because the way he's spoken, it's as if, and I know this is just speculation, but it's as if he's put a figure on the table and he said, meet this and I'll sign. That's what it seems like to me by, by outlining clearly that in his view, the board know exactly what they have to do, I guess suggests that they know exactly what the figure is or at mm. least have an idea of what Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang wants. You mentioned about him bringing so much to this team. He is so, so important to Arsenal Football Club at the moment in terms of his goals. Um, you know, people would question that maybe sort of as a captain, is he that vocal leader that we've seen as captains in the past? But I would argue the role has changed. And one thing you can certainly say of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is that he leads by example. Um, you know, he does perform, he does produce, and that's really, really important. Now, if it were to come to the point where a new contract couldn't be agreed, would you then look to sell Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang this season? Or do you think that keeping him for another year increases our chances of, of making the Champions League and so it's worth taking the risk? What's your view on that? My view is, is that he doesn't. If he doesn't want to sign a new deal, then we have to get as much capital for him now as as feasibly possible. Um, Arsenal have fallen into the, the the bear trap of this so many times in the past. We've seen it with Alexis Sanchez, and all all the while we got a, a decent player in him, Mkhitaryan. It just didn't work out for us, or or really Manchester United either. Um, we've seen it with the likes of Nasri, with Fabregas, so many high, Van Persie, so many high profile players. And whilst we did get a fee for Van Persie, still it didn't seem enough for what he actually gave us. And of course, he then went to United and won them the title. It's a huge, huge thing. I've seen some reports actually of him possibly being offered to Chelsea if they were willing to pay a high fee. But with Werner coming in, I highly doubt that would ever happen. I just think that if you can sign someone for a fee that you'd get, in my mind, I'm thinking that one year left, the heart, the best goal scorer in the Premier League for me is a striker. You're going to get around 30 million with the year left, I think, to really sort of nail down his services. I think 40 million plus is, is a pipe dream at this stage, especially in this current financial climate. And when you look at what you could get for, for 30 million, even in this climate, I think you can effectively replace goals in certain areas of the pitch, which could actually enhance other players. I'll give you an example. Lacazette has suffered massively this season, not just because he's carried an injury, which has gone fairly unnoticed by a lot of fans and completely ignored by a lot of fans to the point where we're criticising him almost every single week. I feel that Lacazette, if he's given that you are the main guy, you are the man for Arsenal to be our number nine, to be the man to score our goals, I think that improves his confidence, even though he loses his supposed best mate. I think that it really would benefit him as a striker. If you then invest in, say, a wide player or as a midfield creative player that can provide those chances that Lacazette needs to score, I think you then completely bolster the team and, and find those goals that you would lose if Aubameyang was to leave with, say, £30 million. There's lots of players that we've been linked to. And then ultimately, for me, it's not goals that are going to achieve a Champions League qualification spot. It's improving us solidly at the back and in the midfield. We lose so many battles in the midfield and in the defence that if you can solidify those areas and patch up those holes, you can replace goals that you would have scored with Bamiang with wins and points that you would have got from failing to concede goals. I mean, in terms of the situation that, that Arsenal find themselves in now, and I've spoken about this on a recent podcast, that I'm a little bit more sympathetic towards Arsenal in terms of the financial aspect of this thing because of what's going on. Um, you know, we've seen 
businesses all over the world crash as a result of this uh, this coronavirus thing the economy is on its knees um football clubs losing the revenue that they're going to lose without being able to have people in the stadiums and that's not just tickets that's merchandise that's food and drink there's so many things isn't there there's refunds that they're having to give to fans i, I guess i'm going to be a little bit more sympathetic towards arsenal over this summer in terms of the usual come on spend the money show that you care, show that you you want to drive us forward. So are you of that same view? Do you have sympathy for Arsenal Football Club? Do you think that the whole market is going to be affected and we have to take that into account? I have sympathy in the way that you described. It's, it's a very unique situation. Where I don't have sympathy is that Arsenal consistently don't behave how they should do they don't they don't treat their players they don't treat the transfer market in a professional accurate way and whilst i can have all the sympathy in the world that arsenal may not spend as much as they usually do because of that it's the way that we've spent money in the past where my loyalty and support of the financial situation at arsenal starts to falter if you look at what Chelsea are doing, and I <laughs> I fell into the Arsenal trap of thinking, oh my God, we don't spend any money. And I tweeted out saying, how have Chelsea got all this money to be signing Ziyech and Werner and going for Havertz and the like? And the fact is, is that I was completely wrong to judge them in that way because their transfer business has been good in the sense that they, rightly or wrongly in people's minds morally, bring in loads of young players, loan them out, sell them for a fair amount of money. They're players that are big, like Eden Hazard, go for millions and millions and millions. It's similar at Liverpool with the way they buy and sell players, Coutinho, Suarez. Arsenal just don't do that. Arsenal don't buy cleverly. Arsenal don't sell cleverly. We buy players, get their usage out of them, and then we let them go for very small fees or at the end of their contract, like with Alexis Sanchez, like with Aaron Ramsey. It's so frustrating to see it year on year, and that's why I fail to have a higher level of sympathy for Arsenal in this current climate because week on week and, and, and day on day, you see Arsenal fans on social media saying, why doesn't Stan Kroenke invest? But the thing is, Arsenal spent so terribly that if we were to have a cash injection, we would be so restrictive of what we could do with it because of the losses that we're making financially year on year. FFP, whilst being relaxed, apparently, I still think would be a huge factor in restraining any possible cash injection. So, yeah, the sympathy is, is nearly at the floor because of just how immaturely Arsenal have acted financially. Yeah, you, you make a good point. It is um, a problem uh, and it's been a problem at Arsenal for a while. The spending has been uh, done, I guess, irresponsibly and I, and I get all that. I just think in this situation with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, there, there is no doubt in my mind that perhaps Arsenal will now think twice about something that they may have been willing to do previously and that's not just to with a Bamiang it's you know mm. with everything it's with the transfer market you mentioned Henrik Mkhitaryan earlier on and and we're being linked with um of course selling him to Roma uh, that's the talk Mkhitaryan's made it clear he doesn't want to come back and who could blame him uh, he's having a good time <laughs> in Serie A yeah. um you know I, I have a bit of sympathy for Mkhitaryan in the way that I didn't think he got uh, a fair crack of the whip, particularly uh, mm. just before he went off. Um, I don't think he was performing worse than some of the other players that were getting starts. And I, I have a little bit of sympathy there. We've been linked with Justin Cliver the other way. Um, I watch quite a bit of Serie A. It's yeah. safe to say that there is talent there. 
not always lived up to it, though. What's your take on it? Would you take Justin Cliver uh, taking into account that we're probably going to have to pay uh, possibly a little bit of money as well to get him? And then obviously the wages come into it as well. I think that when you look at what Justin Clover has done since he moved to Roma, it's not it's not gone the way that he and a lot of his admirers sort of would have expected. I think that he was doing fantastic in Holland. He moved, and then we've seen sort of flashes of brilliance from him in games, and we've seen some good performances and some fantastic goals as well. Uh, I mean, he's got a hell of a technical ability on him. Would I take him? I think if you were to say we get him for, say, 10 to 15 million plus Mkhitaryan, although it could be a little bit more than that. I think that what you're getting is you're getting the opportunity to sign someone that could flourish, someone that, say, more developed right now than Saka and Nelson uh, and Martinelli. He's at a stage ahead of that for me right now. And I think Arsenal are missing that element in their team. Arsenal got a lot of experienced players and they've got a lot of young players. But they haven't got many players at the moment in that 23 to 25 bracket and and slightly younger, sort of 21 to 25 bracket, that could really sort of flourish. So I think if you lose Mkhitaryan, you lose a player that isn't really worth anything at Arsenal right now. He's not going to be in the team. He's not going to play. And he's going to be sapping us financially with his wages. You get rid of him. You bring in someone like Clover, who has all the potential in the world to be brilliant. But it's a huge risk. But is it a huge risk? say, signing him and letting Mkhitaryan go, bringing the price down to around 50 million. I think in a world of football that we live in right now, that's a risk probably worth taking. The other side of it is bringing him in could stunt the advancements of Martinelli, Saka, Nelson. That's the other side of things that you have to look at. But competition is great. Competition makes players flourish and makes them want to do better. And you've got to think that if we can tie... And the other thing is, obviously, Saka's contract is another issue. If we don't hold on to him, you don't want to lose a player and not have someone else to cover that. As a for me, I see Saka as an advanced player. I know he's playing at left back, but I just see him in the future as a as a fantastic winger. And I just think that it's probably worth taking the risk. We had Richard Hall on from Football Italia and uh, on the Guna Talk, and he spoke fantastically about Cliver. And for me, he sort of he sort of sold him to me as a player. So if it, if it is possible to get that deal done for fifteen million plus Mkhitaryan, I'd probably bite your arm off for it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you're absolutely right. And I think the risk is not so big that it's not worth taking. Um, Like you said, he could flourish, he could develop. You've got to take into account the development of others. But I feel like we've been down that road before, um, particularly under Arsene Wenger, where we had players there who, in my view, he gave too long and they didn't necessarily repay the faith that he showed in them. So I hope that Mikel Arteta will be a little bit more ruthless than that. But the other side of the coin is that really Martinelli and Saka, for example, haven't let Mikel Arteta down when they've been given the opportunities. And so perhaps he'll feel uh, some loyalty uh, towards them. Uh, Tom, that brings us to the end. Just a short uh, episode today. Um, wanted to get your, uh, uh, well, I want you to let our listeners know how they can find your excellent channel, how they can follow you on Twitter and how they can subscribe. Yeah, you can find us uh, at the Guna Talk TV on Twitter, uh, and you can just search up the Guna Talk on YouTube. In fact, we just did a show with Harry on our channel. Um, you must be a fan of Harry because you're watching this video. So please make sure you uh, run over to the Guna Talk and you can watch uh, us have a chat about how Mikel Arteta might tackle Manchester City. 
Looking forward to that one. Arsenal take on Manchester City on Wednesday and we'll be dropping you a preview for that on Tuesday morning. We'll be joined by a colleague of mine who's also a football writer, but he's also a Manchester City fan. So he'll be providing us some insight into what's gone wrong, I guess, at the Etihad this season because they are miles off of Liverpool. It's not to say they're not a good team, but will be interesting to find out the ins and outs of, of how that demise has, I guess, come about. Don't forget you can support the Chronicles of Aguna by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Chronicles of Aguna and you'll get access to lots of exclusive content uh, over the coming months. The first piece of exclusive content will be with you guys on Wednesday. So for those of you who already signed up, thank you. And to those who are going to Thank you in advance. Uh, we'll be back very, very soon with more. If you're listening via the audio, don't forget to uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you are on YouTube, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Follow Tom and we'll be back soon with more. Until then, take care.